Well, welcome, welcome one and all to another episode of Maine Education Matters. My name is Matt. And my name is Julie. Um, hey, Julie, we've been asked by someone to kind of define what it is that we do here. Yes. Um, and I would love to know what we do here. Like there are I've, some been think- I've been thinking a lot about that, Matt. There are some podcasts that have do's and don'ts <laughs> of things. Um, and they always say these of what they do or what they don't do at the beginning of a podcast. And, you know, it's very clear what they do. So what do we do? I just kind of think we talk. Well, we do talk and, and I enjoy talking with you, but we, uh-huh. I do enjoy talking with you very much. We update educators on what is going on with the Education and Cultural Affairs Committee so that they do not have to do so. Word that better than I did, please. Um, we do do the dirty work that others don't do so well. No. <laughs> no. Okay, we'll, we'll work on it. Uh, today we got a we got a busy one ahead of us because we have uh, a few things to talk about today. Uh, first, we're going to talk about uh, February the seventeenth. A couple things happened at the Education Cultural Affairs Committee that day. There was a work session in the morning. They took a break. Probably went down to the Cross Cafe. I'm assuming it's open. And afternoon, they had a public hearing for a few bills. So we're going to talk about those two things. We're also going to do a quick preview of the upcoming February 24th public hearing, a few bills coming out there, and maybe a few other things to discuss along the way. So let's start off with the February 17th work session. This covered three bills that had already been gone through public hearing. The first was LD44. We'll just go in numerical order, not necessarily the order of uh, how they saw them. Sorry, Julie, I'm throwing a curveball at you, I know. Uh, LD44, an act to establish the Summer Success Pilot Program Fund. Yes, and they invited JC Holmes from DOE to come in and talk about what some of the funding streams currently are. And I found it very interesting when you hear the large sum of ESSER funds and CARES funding. I think JC said over 325 million at this point, and that's before um, President Biden's um, stimulus package comes out. So she, in talking with DOE and with talking, um, yeah, with JC Holmes, decided to put forth an amendment which took out the appropriations and added a report back. So the committee wants to know how is, you know, what is going on well with summer school in the state of Maine? What is the the data looking like? What recommendations do they have? So sort of a checks and balances, but with some purpose to move forward. It sounds like they're, it sounds like they're trying to use the, like you said, the ESSER funds. They're just shifting those out of the budget for the state budget and putting it onto the ESSER funds to help cover for at least this year, which doesn't necessarily solve the appropriations problem long-term, but it's a start. And once it's in law, it then we'll 
they'll have to decide whether or not they not want to fund it or not. So. And that's exactly what Representative Purse was um, supporting that we need yeah. to start this so that we continue to draw attention to this yeah. important time and having the data from JC Holmes was very helpful and um, yeah, the, she DOE, was, the DOE is just doing what every district has been doing and with Escher funds is that they're trying to cover things that they might either not normally get or just have to cover things with the ESSER funds so that the local budgets are going to be significantly reduced because there are curtailments happening everywhere. So they're just doing the exact same thing that the districts are doing. And I think it's wise. If they can, great. They appreciated that JC Holmes presented how she looks at all of the applications and many of them have summer school, have summer plans already in them. So I, I feel yeah. that the amendment is, um, everyone was happy from what I could tell with the amendment. Excellent. So that's op ought to pass as amended. That will go in front of the legislature at some point. We're not sure, we'll keep an eye on it. LD 55, an act to protect minority, relig minority religious groups by eliminating the prior approval requirement for a school absence for a recognized religious holiday. This one ought to pass. Easy peasy. Sailed right through, kind of like we talked about. The third uh, work session build was LD 104, an act to protect the health of student athletes by requiring the establishment of procedures to report concussions. Uh, this one again presented by Representative Brennan. And this one, well, it ended as a divided report. It did. I, I really appreciated the conversation. I also was pleased to learn that um, during the hearing, when we learned about the HIT, H-I-T app and how it was originated from Colby College, I learned that this Dr. Berkner actually is now at the University of New England, which is in my backyard, which is exciting. And disappointing to hear that only 12 schools or 12, yeah, 12 high schools are actually using that free app, the HIT HIT app. Um, but what was significant about the discussion, Matt, at least significant in my mind, is that Hillary Rizler, the data anal analyst, yeah. she did some research and she shared with the committee um, what Connecticut and Hawaii are currently doing when it comes to concussion prevention and concussion data. And I don't know about you, but we've had, this is our seventh conversation on Maine Education Matters. And this is the second time that Hawaii has been mentioned. I don't think it's a coincidence, Matt. Uh, well, it's not a coincidence. And unfortunately, since you're bringing this up, we kind of have to uh, bring it up, which is we have been hard lobbying the Education Cultural Affairs Committee and the analysts like Kelly Ristler and pretty much everyone there that we should be a Hawaii-based podcast. Maine Education I, Matters via Hawaii. Yeah. And I'll tell you, if it, it, whether it's Maui or Kauai or Oahu or Malachi, wherever you want to go, I'm there. I'm good. I'm thinking a GoFundMe page or, or maybe... Yeah, I think that so, the committee oh, might sponsor us to do this. Esser funds. 
No. So, so this ended up divided. I don't quite understand that. Can you please educate our listeners? What does that mean that this was a divided report? So historically, what it's meant is that divided reports are one political party or group of legislators votes like ought to pass or ought to pass as amended. And the other, another significant group, larger group will vote ought not to pass or ought not to pass as amended. And so they're going to offer an, an additional report, an additional way to go in front of the legislature. So then the legislature has to deal with, well, which one do we want? They ought to pass or they ought not to pass. And they have to vote on both. So, um, that's how it goes from there. I've not, I don't know how this was divided. That information is not up on their website yet. They usually take a little while longer to get that stuff up, but, um, but yeah, divided reports usually kind of mean that thing. And often it's done on a uh, partisan basis. Yes, the notes that I took are definitely partisan based. And um, Representative Stearns, who represents your area, was the first to mention the word caucus. Um, that he thought that they may want to caucus. They did not, yep. um, but, but this was the first bill to introduce that term. So, yeah, um, this, this, this HIT app, H-I-T, H-I-I-T, um, is it just, is it a reg, is this a regular app or is there also a school-based version? I don't know, but I oh, think it's the, just H-I-T because H-I-I-T is what I do to exercise. Okay, because I'm just wondering if there's like a school-based version we could get into some, uh, if we start adding another uh, initial in anyways, I'm just going to move on um, because- uh, I get it now. All right. Yeah. Yes, yes. We'll so on. also on that day, they took a little break, went down to the Cross Cafe or went over to somewhere else to get lesser food they had a public hearing for five different bills. And we, we previewed those a few days ago. And so we're going to talk about some of the testimony. And let's start off with one of the fun ones, which was, well, a combination actually of two, LD84 and 293. These are the two bills that increased the state or the state's share of the cost of health insurance for retired teachers. There were four pieces of testimony that had been submitted as of this date that have been published at least to the web. And I did not see anyone that was against it. Matt, you're too businesslike right now. Can we talk about something else? Sure. Okay. Before the public hearing, when they sort of drift in. Yeah. They were talking about how some of them had had hip replacements and knee replacements. It really was an enjoyable conversation to to follow. Um, but Representative Brennan that does not sound enjoyable to me. I'm sorry. Well, no, no. <laughs> some people talk about yet, hip replacements. But, um, Representative Brennan was talking about how in preparation for learning to do a, I, I think he was presenting to some students at UNA about how to make his Zoom presentations more prismatic. Now, I had never heard prismatic used with, you know, this online virtual remote. And I wanted to know if you had heard that term before. Um, prismatic? Yes. I have, I have never heard that term before and I, I, I don't, I don't know what that is. And quite frankly, I don't think that's one of those words that should be used because it's, it's really too hard for people to understand. 
those kind of words, especially when you have you know multisyllabic words. Th those are those are too difficult. I, so, I so Matt, speaking of multisyllabic words and words like prismatic, we have been challenged. Uh, Julie, we've been challenged for many years. <laughs> Why do I open myself up to this? Oh my goodness. <clears throat> Matt, mm. our parent pod. Well. Come on. Parental? Let them be the parent. Oh, I, I don't know. I, I will never own up to them being a parental figure to me. Yes. You know, uh, would, I, would I agree tangential? Yes. Sister, maybe. Superior, definitely not parent our parent pod okay, okay there there is another podcast that is somewhat related see here's the thing and and this is well in the canon of main education matters i i'm a download only for personalized learning with matt and courtney i don't listen i just i just download i go to every computer i can find and try to subscribe them as much as i can but no i don't i, I don't listen to them well i listen to every <gasps> every word <laughs> and I love Matt they have Gordon. they have challenged us yep I don't quite understand the lingo though something isn't about that the isn't that the point oh <laughs> like so apparently there are these there's these you know some people use words and some words are harder than others and so how might we explain a very hard idea and there's this thing called Upgoer 5 text editor or Upgoer 5. And they were talking about it on their podcast and challenged us to try to help with the Education Cultural Affairs Committee to make it um, more simple to understand so that it could be more accessible for others. So oh. do you think that you could make the language of LD 83 and two not I, I never get the numbers right but um could you simplify the the meaning behind this bill uh the yeah bill? all right get you so let me pull that up here so LD 84 um and the summary oh, we'll, we'll just try to do the summary and I'm doing this on the fly. The bill requires the state to pay 55% of retired teachers' share of the premium for group accident and sickness or health insurance after June 30th or 2021. It also removes some outdated language. All right. My summary. Do what you said you're supposed to do. Ant. What do you mean, ant? Well, Matt did it in his podcast. I just wanted to do it. Oh, um, as I do what you said you're supposed. I don't like. To do, I two syllables was the only one. You know, they've been saying forever they're going to use pay fifty five percent. Well, where's where? Just do it already. Do you think? Do you think it will go? This? Yeah. It seems like this is a bill that is put up every year, but it dies in appropriations, from what I learned. I yeah. think that the committee is going to push it forward again, and. They actually took this one because this 84 and 293 and they combined them into one bill. I did not hear which bill number they ended with as the final. So that is still to be determined, I think. I thought you the know? same thing, Matt, but when I was reviewing and 
don't scold me for reviewing for today's podcast. But when I was reviewing the testimony, <laughs> they are both still on there. 84 is at the top and 290. So they haven't combined them yet. When they do the work session on the 24th, I believe is what it's going to be probably, then they will, det will determine whether it's, you know, one will be just ought not to pass, one will be like ought to pass as amended. That will be the winner. So we have no winners right now, except I do completely say that I, no matter what, you won. Okay. Because I rolled a nat natural 20. And usually when that happens, it's called a critical win. And it basically means that you win no matter what. So that makes me very happy. Yeah. So it, looks like, like so it looks like those two are going to be combined. And uh, we are going to, I guess, try to simplify our words. I don't know. All right. So let, let, let me try. I want this one. Go I want it. LD138. All right. So LD138, uh, which is an act to increase student reading proficiency. See, right, right in the title, it's already, but. Um, what do you, so what's this, what do we got? Well, before, before I try to simplify, I just want to say Representative Brennan, was apologetic about the amendment, but people seem to be very responsive to his amendment that he met with the Department of Education, he met with some stakeholders, and yep. he is turning this into a resolve. Let's look at what we already have. Let's see where it's working, where it's not working, and let's do this together. And the MEA, the MCLA, the DOE, um, everyone came out in support of this amendment. So yep. what this bill is, in a nutshell, reading is hard stuff. Reading in Maine, Wait, I want to back up on that. So, and I can't say learners. I don't think learners is on that list. People are not reading as well as we want them to read. We are going to... Read is on the list. It is. As I can use read. You can use read. You can't right. use reading though. Oh, okay. You this is hard. This is hard, but um, how about this? Read, period. Repeat, period. Relax, period. Hawaii question mark. <laughs> I like where this is going, but we're not doing well with this challenge. Um, no, gosh, we are not prepped. Die which is one of them. Yeah, well, no, but um, let's look at reading in the state of Maine. Yeah. We've been trying for years to improve how, you know, how students learn to read and then how they read to learn. We're going to look closely at this. We're going to do so together. And each year the DOE is going to report back to this amazing committee of education and cultural affairs and know where to go next. So that's that that's that's the point of the resolve is just to to do a check in. A very meaningful check in. Yes.
I bet meaningful Here. is not on that list, but anyways, okay. Let's see how you monitoring. do. About progress monitoring. I'm sure that's not, that's, that's, those are not on the list, huh? Right. Progress Formative monitoring. Assessment. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, these are all, I guess, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. All right. How would you simplify 278? So 270, 278 is the act to establish a process for the consideration and implementation of changes to mandated instruction or training for students. All right. I'm going to try to simplify this and you can look at the words that I'm going to try to use and you can see, you can, you know, buzz me if I do, if I get it wrong or whatever. Oh, I will. So what this rule does is makes it easier for what, 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 did I do something wrong? I was just counting syllables. Oh, three syllables makes, makes it more better. <laughs> How about just for, makes it better for, but more better is, is, is what it, it's, it's, it's more better for people to improve. Nope. I don't know. I can't do it. It's I'm, I'm, I am too versed in the edu babble. I am too versed in, you know, I've been saying to, I, I say this to everyone who I would want to listen to me. Even my kids say this, if you really want to get far in life, but you don't want to do a whole heck of a lot of a work, get a good vocabulary. And use a semicolon. Yeah, because vo vocabulary and punctuation, it believe it or not, gets you really far. Yeah. Because you might not know what you're talking about, but if you can sound like you know what you're talking about, you can you can get pretty far on that. So get a good vocabulary. And and I'm I'm not going to apologize for having a good vocabulary. I'm I'm not I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be vocab shamed. <laughs> Well, here's, here's what I think I'm, I'm going to do going moving forward, that when I review for either the work sessions or the hearings, I am going to think of, or I'm going to try to simplify so that anyone listening to this podcast, whether an educator or a manager of a credit union, sure, who doesn't have that edu gobble, Yep. Great. So I like the challenge of thinking of that. So LD278 is a resolve, correct? Nope, it's is an it act. Resolve? It's an act. It's an act. Yep. To form an ad hoc committee? Yeah, to form a, well, yeah, I guess it would be ad hoc. Yeah. I don't know if it, well, I guess it would be more like, I guess it would be a, a standing subcommittee because it would be happening all the time. It wouldn't just be, well, maybe it would be ad hoc. Now I don't know the rules, uh, but yeah, uh, some kind of a committee. So that when all of this new, you know, new ideas about curricula, new ideas about instruction come forward, that this committee would be comprised of those in the trenches who have lived it, are living it, and can really advise the committee on um, what's needed. Yep. And I believe Courtney's recommendation 
was to make sure that I think it was Courtney to make sure that there is some crossover. So don't, you know, have this committee of seven or eight, you know, for one, session 130 and then two years later replace everybody. Let's have some consistency so yes. that there's no stoppage, that there is just continuous movement forward. Yes, Courtney Belolan, the Maine Curriculum Leaders Association Executive Director. There were four pieces of testimony that have been at least publicly submitted for this. And they were all, well, three of the four were in favor of it. Uh, Maine Curriculum Leaders Association, Principals Association, and the Maine Education Association. There was one person who wrote in who was not in favor of it. But if you read her, read the, the testimony, it's more like she, I don't think she understood what it was actually trying to do. Um, and was, was very much against it, but was kind of saying things in support of what the bill was intended to do. But so anyway, I'm not, I don't want to read too far into it, but yeah, I mean, it sounds like that the, the hearing or the, the testimony for this that people heard was generally speaking very much in favor. Yes. Uh, same thing with the reading proficiency bill. Cause we never, we didn't really talk about that one, but that people were, were pretty much in favor of that, especially with the amendment. So, uh, so far, at least on this particular day, people have been like, yep, the testimony wise, right on it. The next one was LD 127. Well, no, I think we skipped over this one actually. Did um, we? I don't, yeah, what I is think, 127? That's the resolve to establish a pilot program to provide grants for professional development to computer science instruction. Uh, 11 pieces of test, nope, sorry, 10 pieces of testimony here because one got submitted twice. And uh, again, all in favor from Maine school boards, curriculum leaders, principal association, educate Maine, a couple of business leaders, Maine math and science, University of Maine, and Maine computer science teachers association. Not surprising that some of those folks would come out in favor of it. And uh, I would, I would say that I do need to be very clear and upfront that I am both part of the Maine curriculum leaders association and the Maine computer science teachers association. So I am particular, I do have a, a sway a bias in this, so to speak, but I will also say that everyone was pretty much for it. Yeah. Here's a great example though. What, sure. what do educators mean by computer science? If I'm not in education, I know sure. what computers are. I know what science is, but I, when I took science, it was biology and chemistry and yep. physics. Matt, yeah. what is, what is computer science? Yeah. Computer science often gets thought of as things like, or when people think they might think it's like, well, do how to do a PowerPoint or how to do that stuff. And it's completely not that at all. Mm -mm. The core of computer science is problem solving and critical thinking. And it's designing solutions to problems. Um, it's coming up with creative ways of getting from point A to point Z uh, or to again, like solving problems. And aside from just the problem solving, it's then using computers, using the using programming language as a means and a method and an approach to get to that end. So it's a way of designing and solving global problems, local problems, individual problems, using a particular language and process and specific tools to do the job. Now in, in my community, if I'm a parent and I'm looking at the pictures that come home in our bi-weekly newsletter and I see kindergarten students 
playing with these robots with older students showing them how to maneuver those robots in a certain way. Yep. That's a form of computer science, correct? Sure. It could be. I mean, I, I that's a form of computer science. Uh, not too long ago, I um, did a game with my first grader last year uh, to say things like, all right, I want you to um, tell me how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And I did exactly what she said. And she realized how frustrating it was because computer science, the language of it is incredibly specific and it's very detailed. And it is the, 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 the computer, the program will only do whatever it is you tell it to do. You know, as uh, my, my father was kind of, a, was a bit of a programmer uh, for a company. And that's what he'd always say is that, well, it's, it's never, never the program's fault. It's, it's always human error because the program does what we tell it to do. Right. It's not like this, you know, um, this, uh, I don't know, it's not this, it's this, this thing that has, that, has, that has its own conscience, even though AI is supposed to be the thing that does have a conscience, but it doesn't because it's a program. It's a, just a learning adaptable program. So that is a part of computer science, but it also should be, un I, 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 this is something that I like to stress too, is that robotics doesn't necessarily, it's not a requirement for computer science. You can teach computer science and build computer science principles into any content area, into any area, whether you have the robotics or not. Yes, at some point, you're gonna to need to have the devices. You're gonna to need to have something or other in order to do programming. But those are becoming so much more accessible. Right. And with so many districts now having so many devices due to the COVID outbreak, it's gonna be a lot easier to access a lot of these computer science devices or computer science resources, which are free and really, really, really good. So uh, it's building up the problem solving, the logical thinking, the systems thinking, and being able to know that there are, there, there, let's find a solution to a problem and using maybe tools that we may not have ever used before. Right. You know, and it's that it, every, I mean, every labor industry uses this, uses computer science in some way, which is why it is so important in my humble opinion to put this into um, more at the front of our education. Yeah. To really prepare our kids. Well done, sir. Thank you. I don't think that met the uh, one. No, no, we are failing the challenge. I, yeah. I admit that. But you know what? Hey, uh, through through failure comes uh, an F. Um, no, I believe in growth mindset. So next podcast, I will improve. That's 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 great. I will take my failure and uh, just just live, put myself into a shame spiral, and. Uh, won't be able to come out of that for several weeks to come. So, no. uh, and I, and I, and for that, I, I, I blame Matt and Courtney. Um, <laughs> February 24th, what's happening? February 24th. So, so those are the public hearings. We'll be finding out a work session um, on those from the 17th, but then on February 24th, there are three bills coming up that we can do a quick preview of today. They'll be hearing LD 70, which is an act to allow a parent or guardian of a student who has been affected by COVID-19 to keep the student in the student's current grade level. This is an emergency bill and it was presented by Representative Fecto of Augusta and co-sponsored by Senators Senator Pooley out of Kennebec and Representative Drinkwater, Falkingham, 
Rudnicki, and Sampson. Bill has three whereases. It's an act, not bad. And the summary says that this bill allows a parent or legal guardian of a student to request by written notice to the principal of the student's school or to the superintendent of the school administrative unit in which the student attends school that the student should not be promoted to the next grade level or graduated due to the various effects of COVID-19 and the related pandemic on the student's learning during the 2019-2020 and 2020-21 school years. It requires the principal or superintendent to approve the request as long as a student's school can accommodate adding the students to the affected grade level. What do you think about this one, Julie? I'm very interested to hear. <laughs> That's all I'm going to you, say. You are such a nice person. Because <laughs> I, I look at this and this is garbage. What, you, you, you're, you're gonna make you're going to make principals and superintendents tell them how they're going to run their schools? They have to listen to what parents have to say in this? That is a dangerous precedent to be setting. But then you have the wording, as long as. So what is going to preclude a principal or superintendent from looking at that statement and saying, I'm sorry, we cannot accommodate I, that request? I, oh, I, I, whereas there are, yes, whereas. There are lots whereas. of ways through it. I completely agree. And being a being a fan of that language, I, I, I agree. I just, I, I don't see this as being, I get what they're trying to accomplish here. And they're trying to make sure that they're really focusing on kids readiness. And I think that that's a great conversation to have as a committee, they should be focusing kids on kids readiness. However, the people who should know the science and art of educating more of the readiness of the child should be the educators. Right. The parents can be part of that conversation, but I don't think it should be a thing where they, the, the, the teachers then say, well, this is where I see them being. And this parent says, no, this is where I think they are. So they're going to go here. This is one of those bills that makes you wonder Okay, who, why, who, why? Like who, something happened to yep. encourage, to irritate, <laughs> I don't know, but something happened to get this on because, I mean, my experience has, has been more collaborative. It's a collaborative conversation and but it'll be interesting to say I, the least. I agree, I, 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 I'm fascinated by this one. And I'm very interested to hear what the testimony is going to be on this and where the ed orgs come down on this. I have an idea where they're going to come down on given their histories of, you know, saying, Hey, let us do our jobs. Um, and I just find it interesting that this is a bill that where so much of the conversation is about local control and letting the local school districts decide how to run their schools from, from both parties, but oftentimes from one political party more than the other. Members of that same political party are now saying, well, no, it should be the parents in charge. Well, which is it? And so I think that that's a legitimate conversation and a legitimate question to ask, which is it? Because you can't have local control. I don't know. I I'm going to go down into a spiral here. All right. LD 261, sir. 
that is a resolve directing the Department of Education to study truancy trends in the state and develop recommendations for increasing student attendance and reducing truancy. Presented by Representative Roberts of South Berwick, co-sponsored by Senators Rafferty of York, uh, Representatives Crockett of Portland, Dodge, McRae, Meyer, Millette, Roche, Salisbury, and Senator Daughtry of Cumberland. Um, Matt, isn't yeah. it a tough time to be looking at this though? Why is that? I mean, you have true, it just seems like a tough time to be. Oh, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, it, yeah. it, it will name a district that isn't struggling with truancy right now. Right. We all are because we're in a completely new model. And so, I, but I think that this is, this might be where that's going is to say like, hey, we need to know more about what's happening in school districts and want and are hearing things, especially with hybrid learning environments or students all in full remote environments. There are kids who have just like gone missing from school districts. They were here last year, they're no longer here and they can't be found in the system. Where are they? So this resolve direct uh, from the summary directs the Department of Education to conduct a study on truancy trends in the state and develop recommendations for supporting SAUs and increasing student attendance and reducing truancy and to then submit a report. I just don't see how you can look at trends at this stage of the game. Our whole experience has been upended and yep. wouldn't it make more sense to come together and talk about okay, how, how do we find these, these kids that have fallen off the radar? I mean, that seems to be more of a, the conversation to have than let's look at, I don't know, I don't know. I sort of have issue with that one, but LD 325. LD 325, an act to expand the definition of quote, education disruption to include states of emergency that limit students' access to on-site education for longer than 15 school days. This is an emergency bill presented by Representative Millette of Cape Elizabeth and co-sponsored by Representatives Dodge, Salisbury, and Senators Daughtry and Woodson. There are five whereases to this act, and the summary tells us that the bill allows students whose access to on-site education is limited as a result of a state of emergency, like COVID-19, to be classified as having experienced education disruption and eligible for school work recognition plans that will demonstrate achievement under Maine's system of learning results. Is this a secondary? Is this focused on secondary? I, I think in terms of school work, well, I don't think it's not, I don't, mean, I don't know if it means school to work. Hmm. This one is interesting because I'm because I'm a state of emergency declared limits limit student access to onset education longer than 15 days in total during the time of the declared emergency. Yep, that's new language that's being added. So I'm not sure where this one is going. I just have this image in my mind of one of those stamps, you know, that a stamp that says disrupted education and you put the transcript down, I'll stamp it. Transcript stamp, trans, I mean, all, we, we're living in disruption. So, so, are, so is this like, so by your stamp, are you, are you thinking like it's in terms of just like moving kids on? So I'm wondering when it says school work recognition plans, 
I'm wondering if that's where they're going with it. Say, nope, education disruption, out of our control, move them along. Hmm. So we have the one bill where it says parents can hold kids back. And another bill that says move is moving along. Is that is is that how I'm that's kind of how I'm starting to read this now. I like this train of thought. Wow. I don't know. I'm gonna be interested to see what what the the rationale for these are. Again, these are on the 24th. And they're back to back. Yeah, they're all the same. It's all it's all COVID stuff that day. Whether it's you know parents telling us tell them what to do, whether it's schoolwork recognition because of the moving right along, cue the Muppet movie song, and or it's a resolve about studying truancy. So it, it seems to be it's all it's probably their first their first real day of COVID related legislation. Interesting. Yeah, so this will be a fun day. All right, so remind me again on Wednesday the 24th, is it the same format as the 17th where at 10 o'clock it's the work session? I, uh, yes, 10 a.m. is the work session and they'll be hearing those five bills we talked about before, 84, 127, 138, 278, and 293. And then the afternoon, one o'clock, they'll be hearing those three bills on the COVID stuff. The COVID stuff. COVID day, COVID, COVID hearing, first COVID hearing. Well, Matt, so that's, I don't I don't know if if we accomplished anything, but my hope is that if you're an educator listening not. and you needed you need to know more about what's going on in the legislature that we've helped a little bit. Might we have helped a little bit? Um, what we have done is we have at least occupied someone's commute with some or if they're on the treadmill or something and they just need something to zone out because I don't know about you, but my kids, when I start talking, they completely zone out. When I start giving like a presentation or something to folks, to even adults, they zone out. So maybe it's me, but I'm really good at helping people to zone out. I can tell by your response that it's worked on you as well. No, no, no. <laughs> My response is just the effects of listening to the work session and hearing twice because I just enjoy learning about it. So, all right, what time is it now? What time is it right now? Let's see how you do. What's it time for? What's it time for? Well, it's time for Ladies My Shoutouts. Very nice. Did I cut you off though? Was there something else you wanted to say? No, I, I thought you were actually asking me for the actual time right now. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> So I have two Lady Smythe shout outs. Yay. The first one I think is going to be obvious to you because we sort of talked about it, but my first shout out goes to the data analyst, Hillary Rizler. Yeah. She prepared these bill analyses that I am going to steal the premise of for my policy committee work back in district. Awesome. Because she had statutes, she had an overview, a summary, she had all the testimony, but it was so succinct and well done. And as she's presenting to the committee, she kept saying, you know, if this isn't helpful, please let me know. If you can't see it, if you want something more. So I just shout out to Hillary. Fantastic job. And she has inspired me to do something like that within my own district when it comes to policy and nice. moving forward. Love and it. then I have to give a shout out to Representative Brennan. I mean, it really was 
the Representative Brennan show this on the 17th. And his true compassion and care for Maine education is very evident. He took constructive feedback from the DOE. He amended his original thoughts and was just very open to ideas. And if someone sort of challenged him, he welcomed them to his side of the, you know, the fight that we're in this to improve reading in Maine. We're in this to make things better for Maine educators. So Lady Smythe, shout out to Representative Brennan. And Kudos he's also leading in the horse race for most bills that has been uh, approved to go before the Education and Cultural Affairs Committee with eight bills. That's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. And he prismatic. I need to talk to him about prismatic. Yep. Because I, I want to do a prismatic presentation on Zoom. Prismatic. That's, I, I do like that word. And speaking of that, I'd like to give a, if I, if I may, if you, if you would allow me to give a tangential or even, dare I say, a sister Lady Smythe shout out uh, to our friends, Matt and Courtney from Personalized Learning with Matt and Courtney. Um, yeah, we love you too. I do love them and I aspire to be as succinct as them. Their podcasts are 20 to 25 minutes. They People are. do not zone out listening to their podcast. No, you can't because you're, you're, you're intense right here. With ours, you could just completely bow out and come back in. And we're probably still talking about the same nonsense 20 minutes later. But we probably would like feedback if anybody wanted to give us feedback because. Absolutely. Yeah. Go on to iTunes and give us a rate and a review, uh, but only do five-star reviews, please. Uh, my, my ego can't handle it. Uh, also, go on to Twitter. Find us and let us know how we're doing at Main Ed Matters. Or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Main Education Matters. With that, Julie, we'll see you next time. We out.